Welcome to She's Having an Episode, a podcast dedicated to TV's very best female characters. I'm screenwriter Layla London. I'm journalist Ashling O'Leary. And this week's character, on the back of her insane cameo in And Just Like That, is Sex in the City's iconic Samantha Jones. <laughs> did you watch it last night? Oh, I did. And it was like the perfect tonic to just a very busy work day. Yeah, just felt like coming home and it's sad that it's over now, even though obviously it's not like as great as the original SATC. But, <laughs> um, still, there's something so bittersweet about it ending again. And oh, also, I mean, it was just so fucking annoying. Like I just the thing with I noticed an episode by Samantha Jones, but fuck me, like Aiden and Carrie, what is even going on there? <laughs> what is going on? I I have so many feelings, and do you know I I'm, I'm sort of what not the turns. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, I'm not the biggest fan, to be fair, of and just like that because I'm so attached to Sex and the City. I think like there really is no way to live up to it. But I felt like these last couple of episodes felt very Sex and the City like, and then all the madness that happened in that finale happened and I'm just like do we even go into spoilers but basically like poor everybody is my general vibe uh why poor everybody I feel like nobody is getting something purely good Mm. except maybe Charlotte now which is weird because she's had such a mad ride for two seasons (laughs) but yeah I'm just sort of like oh all the people I want some peace for have no peace I know do you know what's funny though with Naya I was thinking about that chef recently I was like what a waste of a character because that guy was (laughs) fucking hot so hot (laughs) and then lo and behold he's the Michelin he's the Michelin chef that for me was just like oh like a little bit of that was like the perfect rom-com juice it was so good it was gorgeous I actually like I really want them to spend 80% of next season just on their relationship because I'd really like Naya should have her own spin-off like her and Miranda right the new roommates oh yeah I would watch that actually that's a good one yeah that like you know (laughs) the roommates in their 50s like what they're getting up to just more of the modern SATC vibes anyway um uh yeah just yeah, you're right. No one gets like a purely, I think Naya gets the closest to some sort of, and Miranda, actually. Um, yeah, to be fair, Miranda's career is ticking, isn't it? So to be honest, the only person who doesn't get a happy ending is Carrie. It's that thing of like having to manage expectations, but they're not managing expectations. There's literally no fucking expectations set in place. <laughs> it's just like, well, so um, we're technically going out, but you can't come to mine and I can't go to yours. What is this like? weird Romeo and Juliet thing without the families. (laughs) It's a bit shit, to be fair. You know my feelings on Aiden, but I'd much rather see her just like kicking about New York on her own with her friends. Layla, the listeners don't know about your feelings around Aiden. I think they they must hear them. Dear listeners, Aiden is a mess and he refuses to let Carrie be herself. He (laughs) wants her to be his version of the woman that he wants in his life. And clearly to this very day, I do understand these are extreme circumstances. He needs to look after his kids, blah, blah, blah. Hate him. 
There's plenty more fish in the sea, as they say. I do not see the appeal whatsoever. I just think, you know, the shared history, she wants, she needs, she's just, uh, I, there's so, like, she wants comfort. She loves a big, tall man. She loves a big, tall man. There's that. Yeah, she does love that. And she's just so But they're crazy. literally, she lives in a city of millions of them. Grace your bar, man. No. Dating in New York is awful. <laughs> and especially I can imagine like in your mid 50s, your tolerance is so much lower for any sort of bullshit. Um, so she's just like, right, well, this guy, I kind of know his bullshit is like in terms of the meter on what I can like deal with. It's all right. And also, do you know what? It's because it's like a family. It's a it's family situation that maybe she can respect the bullshit or something like she can put up with it. And she's just so maybe she's just so worn down by what she's tried to expect out of life. Like she obviously she saw a future for herself and Mr. Big. And then he goes off and dies. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> oh, how dare he? How so convenient. <laughs> and then, you know, things change. And so this thing with Aiden, she's just like, well, another one, like. But is it not just slipping, literally slipping back into the same patterns? Ooh, good note. <laughs> like, I, I just am like, woman, she's, she has truly been one of the only characters who I'm like, wow, she's grown in the way that she deals with her friends and her grief and her work. And then suddenly she's just back with this man who, nah, no, no, no. Anyway, should we get on to Samantha? Yeah, uh, <laughs> gotta, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. She does. She sits back. She just goes to like old comforts. She doesn't know how, really how to like try something new. Yeah. Yeah. Really not a fan. Yeah. So like, you know, we might we might circle back, but you're right. We need to dive into some. No, first we're going to dive into some fun facts. No, we need to dive into Samantha. I have my intro. Oh, yeah. oh, sorry. Intro and then fun facts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Samantha, played by Kim Cattrall, stands as a tour de force of liberation and sexual empowerment, which, quite frankly, we didn't see a lot of on TV in the 90s. Over six seasons, her uninhibited approach to life became a touchstone for women and girls everywhere, redefining societal norms with candid discussions on desire, agency, and so much more. All of which made us go, well, she's having an episode. Now we can go into fun facts. <laughs> okay. So Kim Cattrall wasn't initially sold on the idea of playing Samantha. She, Ooh. yeah, she had a launch with Darren Starr and was just like, you know, these are my concerns. Here's what I don't want to be doing. This is what I want to be doing. I couldn't find any specifics on what she did and did not want to do. <laughs> sure. So That's secret secrets from their lives. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But if anyone does know, feel free to email. Uh, <laughs> so, but they hired another actor to play Samantha before Cattrall actually signed on. No way. I know. I know. Hey, do you know who the actor was? No. I don't. Oh, never mind. I know. But that poor woman. Yeah. That poor woman, truly. I know. Imagine just like, look, just the success that show has had. Yeah. And just and that, like, the that icon that that character became. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, Sarah Jessica Parker wasn't sold on being Carrie. What? Mm, yeah. She was afraid to be on a series for the rest of her life. I do understand that. She was big in films, wasn't she? 
Yeah, her whole career up until that point was pretty much like sensational, cute 80s film after sensational, cute 80s yeah, film. <laughs> yeah, but actually speaking of that, this is the first cable TV series to win an Emmy for comedy. <gasps> oh my God, we're yeah. so old. Oh, I, it's happening. <laughs> I, I know, but it was just like, wow, that was the first TV show to get an Emmy for, for a comedy? That is mad. <sighs> I'm so proud of those performers because they really, they're they the reason it's so funny. Yeah, I know. Um, another thing. So according to Michael Patrick King, they seem, they decided, do you know the way that the timeline, the weather in Sex and City is always a bit off? Is it? I, was, but I read that. They decided to set Sex and the City in Eternal Spring. That's quote unquote, that is the vibe of the series what i've seen them like in the in the heat wave on the roof of soho house which goes back to samantha so beautifully <laughs> mm, mm, yeah but, but uh, i'll park that i'll park that but that is fascinating yeah i, was like, I like this like it's quite like it's nice uh philosophy just to be like the show is eternal spring because they i guess it's, it's the right time useful. to date mm. yeah it's it's rough dating in like winter isn't it you gotta wear a lot of clothes Oh, a lot of clothes. You just, you just snuggle body, you know, like you just can't be out and about. You just want someone to just like pin down for a while and then. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to show about cuffing season. No, you don't do yeah. No, no. Yeah. Sorry. More facts, please. Okay. <laughs> uh, guess how much Darren Starr paid Bushnell for the columns. Ooh. Okay. So for reference for the listener, Candace Bushnell wrote Sex in the City a book of columns of her <laughs> sex columns. Yeah. Uh, which were turned into this show and therefore leaving all of screenwriting indebted to turn books into shows for the rest of eternity. <laughs> <laughs> pricing, pricing, pricing. How? Mm, that's a really hard guess. My assumption considering a lot of the columns were used would not be like a high amount per column. So 50 grand a column? Jesus, that's close. 60, <gasps> 60 grand. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> like, my brain is like, what would you have been paid in this time? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's a good payday. Yeah, but also like, Jesus, given how much like the, I, the iconic status, you would not be like, I feel like that woman is owed much more oh for sure i'm um, but she must have also been paid some sort of executive producer credits and yeah so, as well as like the money for the that is true itself. but that maybe not true. i don't know like i'm i've not looked at candace's finances so <laughs> one <laughs> one is not sure <laughs> you're not privy to her spreadsheets <laughs> uh the i the opening credits of carrie walking around in her tutu was inspired by the opening theme to the mary tyler moore show from the 70s i did know that that's like the one fact i've retained after 20 years <laughs> Our, cool for you our listeners might not know <laughs> oh yeah sorry listeners news, news. No, no but no i think that one of the things that makes that like such a memorable fact is the mary tyler moore show was such an sort of feast of femininity and comedy and so ahead of its time and so impactful on the sort of landscape for future funny women uh that yeah it just it, it's like a beautiful tie-in to the fact that this show 
is about a group of women living Mary Tyler Moore influenced lives. I just think it's a sort of beautiful for full circle thing. Mm, yeah. Uh, next fact, guess how many questions Carrie asks throughout the show? <laughs> Inner columns. <laughs> oh, it's at least one per episode, isn't it? So, so, do fast math. Um, let's say 104. 92. 92. That tracks. Mm-hmm. Girl's got a lot of questions. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. She does. <laughs> Many of which all of us women are still thinking about today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And to bring us home, guess how much Kim Cattrall was paid for last night on her little cameo on screen? <gasps> oh my God. It's got to be a fortune. She does not want part of that show. Uh, let's say a quarter of a million dollars. Rumor has it, mm. she was paid for 60 seconds of her time. <laughs> One million dollars. <gasps> and and she speaks just 20 lines. <laughs> it works out at 13,166 per second of airtime. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> that woman fucking nailed it you go <laughs> you get that dollar <laughs> absolutely oh my god i'm so proud of kim man i know i know okay can we talk about her performance absolutely yeah let's fucking dive right in i feel like she was just like not even really she was like half there she's like oh la la <laughs> i'm being paid and like she was just uh, she wasn't it wasn't samantha at her finest she's just sorry darling i missed my flight <laughs> Do you know what? Like, I totally believe that's who Samantha is today. <laughs> I feel like she does live in London. She's detached. She wanted to do the big gesture, but it's not going to, like, ruin her life that her flight was delayed. So she made a cursory call, said some funny things. Ta-ta, my love. <laughs> <laughs> I really believed it. What did you think? What did you think about the reintroduction of... uh? Annabelle Bronstein, I <laughs> loved it. I was like, yes, thank you for bringing back this iconic alter ego of uh, <laughs> dear Samantha. Um, Annabelle Bronstein is definitely a highlight of the Samantha reel. Uh, she is just, it's just brilliant. I just thought it was just like, it was really clever to bring us back to a very good moment. Because also when she was Annabelle Bronstein, Annabelle Bronstein was from, oh, she London. Oh, well, she's from India. That's but it. Raised in London. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Cracking up. Sorry. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And also, that was that was Soho House in its prime. Now it's just this like fucking we work, you know? Like, <laughs> absolutely. It's yeah. actually so bizarre because, like, yeah. I, I agree with you. One of the reasons that Cameo actually like really felt right was they they went into the archives, right? Annabelle Bronstein is not a character many people will remember. It's not a major moment. But that was a whole episode where Samantha Jones in the heat wave was like, I need to be at the rooftop pool at Soho House. She steals this woman's identity, basically tries to convince everyone that she is this 
English woman with the weirdest accent in the world. And it is just peak Samantha. She gets what she wants. She does everything in her power to get there. And fans who are, you know, like <laughs> real obsessive fans like you and I will go, yeah, we know exactly who Annabelle Bronstein is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also because in that episode you have Jerry Halliwell. I know yeah. it's such a good episode. It's so good. I'm also a bit shocked that Samantha, with all her contacts, could not get into Soho House. <gasps> well, that's the that's the sort of thing of it, right? She thinks it will be the easiest thing yeah. in the world, but they're just so booked up. Everyone wants to be in there, which always makes her want it more. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I remember going to the rooftop pool at Soho House for the not Shoreditch House even for the first time, which for reference for non London people is the Shoreditch version of Soho House and being like, am I Samantha Jones? <laughs> Have I got in? <laughs> no, uh, no, you weren't darling. You were Annabelle Bronstein. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And how did you feel? Did you feel that you were Samantha slash Annabelle or? Well, I've never really felt like a true blue Samantha, truth be told. But mm, yeah, in parts, there's certain days where I think we could be we could be <laughs> called called sisters <laughs> <laughs> of personal sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what else did I think? Uh, I just it was I was like it was just gas how short it was and just all the drama around it but that's what being such an excellent character gets you one million dollars for 60 seconds yeah 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 um so let's dive into samantha in her sex in the city days um i think it's quite fair to say she put sex in sex in the city now absolutely she was the most sex positive she was the sex explorer of the show. She had, she was just, you know, she's a trisexual, try anything once. It's a, like, it's just gas that she was not the sex writer. She was not the columnist. She was the woman who tried all the things and then Carrie would just be shocked and sometimes shaming her. But inevitably it would probably it would feed into what she was writing because it's you know what F what samantha's doing it's like it's is samantha what every woman who every woman wants to be sexually is she no. an ex is she an ex <laughs> or is she yeah but to a degree, I think the the sentiment, yes, I think all women would want to be as sexually confident as Samantha. I think that a lot of people find different romantic trappings within their sex lives. And I think that not everyone feels those things necessarily. Mm. Like, yeah, the thing about Samantha is she... She loves, she's a very high sex drive, absolutely loves sex, loves her body, has no shame about either of those things. But as she doesn't seek out emotional comfort, whereas some people in their sexual journeys will want that. That's it. And I think some people are much more monogamous, are much more focused on a certain type of sex rather than Samantha, who is like, oh, something new. Yeah, let's give it a go. I think her open mindedness weirdly gives Carrie 
all of her material <laughs> absolutely yeah <laughs> because that's it if you if you sort of had you I say you as Carrie Charlotte Miranda and it was just the three of them their their minds aren't quite as open to the broad world of all the different kinds of sex people are having around them uh, which would have made Carrie actually a much worse sex columnist <laughs> Mm, yeah she owes a lot to samantha oh she owes uh, so much like beyond the sex but also and just thinking as well like for an asexual person they just like that is that is so not the lifestyle like samantha's lifestyle is so not what they'd that's not what they'd want to lead at all exactly it's like sex is her hobby like she really just wants it she's curious about it she wants more of it in different ways it's it's truly like a groundbreaking representation because also it never really it never really affects her negatively obviously there are dramas that she goes through but actually most of them end up being when she gets into emotional relationships or when she lets things move into a more relationshipy space with someone most of the time the sex she's having is just fun and Mm. just for her pleasure and isn't that sort of <laughs> new as a concept for women in the 90s and 2000s? I'm just thinking you're so it's like sex is her yoga. Like she just like has her daily yoga activity. Like it's just yeah. like, right. Like, you know, do my downward dog. <laughs> yeah, I have not done my yoga today. Yeah, yeah, that's how she feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She yeah, it's really enlivened by it. Wait, let's dial back to what you said there about the uh, so it's like that leads her into the emotional relationships. What you said, she, she never it's um, something about it's not bad, she doesn't experience anything negatively, it doesn't affect her negatively. Ah, but in a way, it does because it, I, I think it's the society's judgment as represented by her friends or by the people she meets. I think that's the negativity she experienced. It's it's always external perspectives mm. that brings in the negativity. Yeah, she's definitely judged. And I think her friends judge her. And I think the the sort of magical thing in the way that she's written and the confidence is that those judgments never really seem to go deep. They're very surface. She lets them really project back onto the people who are judging her because it's their own insecurities and their own questions, right? And she's just a little bit more wise to the world to understand that if she says, well, you know, it's something I'm interested in or I don't feel that way, that's her opinion and she's entitled to it. Even if even if her friends will sit at brunch going, you can't do that, she will go, I'll do it anyway. You're so right. Like her, the it's the confidence in herself that is so admirable, so inspiring. She really, she has such a sense of herself and she knows what she wants. And she, you're so right. Like she doesn't let anyone's opinion weigh on her actions. She's just like, no, this feels right to me. And I'm going to go with my true north. So That's you can it. either hop on my train or fuck off. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think like sometimes it's it's to her detriment. I think there are moments where she's a little too strong in her convictions or stubborn is probably the word. Uh, 
I noticed because game sees game. Uh, for example, like when Miranda has Brady and she's really overwhelmed and Samantha's talking about this hair appointment that she had now, she's so excited to go. And Carrie basically is like, you're you're basically shitting on Miranda's life with her baby and saying, look how free mine is. Um Mm-hmm. She she goes a rare moment, a rare moment of self awareness, or like for <laughs> Carrie, it's not even self worth, but you know what I mean. It's just like, oh, Carrie's thinking of someone else. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but initially, Samantha goes, I, I don't care. Like, it's not my choice to have a baby. In different words, um, and then realizes, you know what? I could go off her lending hand and give Miranda my appointment. And it's that sense too that also. She knows that she did an insensitive thing, but instead of having to apologize for her instincts, she does something nice, right? Mm. She's not the sort of person who would grovel and apologize because she does believe that she deserves to have these nice things that she's affording for herself. Uh, But she'll still care about the people around her. And she's incredibly loyal to each and every one of those women, even Charlotte, who basically tells her she's a slut for six seasons. Yeah, she (laughs) she's such a ride or die. Like, she's so is she the best friend? Like, she's just so she's such great qualities um, that she's nonjudgmental to an insane level yeah <laughs> even when even when carrie is basically saying like i'm cheating with this man who's treated me terribly and it's on my <laughs> air quotes nice new boyfriend we know i hate aiden so i reserve judgment but samantha's like mm, yeah it's not my place to judge you like here i am let's talk it through yeah. and that's quite rare in any space let alone a friendship that knows all the problems that that could bring up for you right yeah whereas you know I think Samantha she doesn't quite get that in return it's really annoying to see it's really Mm. annoying she time and time again she's clearly like the most open-minded individual and yeah she can be a bit selfish and whatnot but the thing is that going back to that Miranda scene it's it kind of ties into that ethos of how actions speak louder than words Mm. you know she could easily she could have apologized but that's just words right i mean like it obviously you know words are important but it's it's how do you follow up with the words what is the action you're doing to show that you actually care and i mean for any woman to give up that sort of coveted hair appointment i mean golden it speaks volumes yeah (laughs) Absolutely. It's such a treat, especially for a new mother, just to go out and be pampered and to have time away from the baby. Yeah, it's a really lovely moment between friends. I agree. I also think it's it's a really sort of interesting link to her independence and the fact that most of her life though her behaviors might appear selfish actually she is just always thinking about herself first and foremost and that's quite rare particularly in a show so dedicated to these four women finding love of you know whatever form they're particularly interested in the others are so focused on romantic love and she purely wants sexual connection and the love of her friends and the love of her job. It's it's an incredibly different dynamic within that group. And 
makes her look a little bit more like a caricature in comparison. But actually, just that is how some women are. That's a very mm. authentic, particularly for a self-made career woman. They do just want to take charge of their life, spend their money on things that make them feel great. Like that's, that's Samantha Jones to a T. Mm. Yeah. Imagine growing up and being like, that's how I'm like prioritizing my life. I'll have my friends, I'll have great sexual connections and just have a nice life. Like, yeah. that sounds great. Novel. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a way to live. I know. <laughs> um, let's talk about her career too, because I think it is in parts hilarious and oh, also so just cool. fascinating now that I have come of an age where I know lots of PRs mm. to reflect back on that weird job that she had. <laughs> mm. Okay, yeah. So what are your what are your thoughts? I think they're rooted in the idea. Like uh, again, for for people who don't have all the context. Samantha is a public relations expert and over the seasons, she runs her own business. She's freelance PR as far as we're aware. We're never quite a thousand percent sure. Um, but she seems to specialize in the running of events, except she has no specialty. <laughs> so throughout the season, it's a great story device to be perfectly clear. Mm. She can be at any party or any launch or anything at any time, uh, which means her friends can as well. And they can have wild experiences. But that level of like, access is mm. such a city thing and I think what my this is such a roundabout way of saying I think the reason so many women our age went into PR is because Samantha Jones got in everywhere at any time she wanted and it seems very glamorous <laughs> and exciting <laughs> funny I think I watched I, I I wasn't turned on by her job but I love the parties and the events she went to I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I was just more attracted by Carrie's job, really. Like, I was like, I just want to be a writer at my desk at my <laughs> lovely window and um, be, just be writing about life. Um, but no, I think Samantha Jones' PR is just luxury lifestyle. Mm. But she's never she's never doing like a campaign until she meets Smith, I suppose. She makes him the absolute vodka man, doesn't she? But she's always just doing events. Mm. It's like a, it's just a very specific form of PR that is very entertaining to watch on screen. Oh yeah, no, it is. It is great. Um, I, just, I yeah, love when she gets that young little upstart. Oh my God, she's like always gabbing on the phone and then she's up and quits. And then she's like setting up this big rager out in the Hamptons and Samantha has to, like they're out there. Samantha has to go and gravel to her. And then she just sees that like, it's just a shit show because this girl has no idea what she's doing. And Samantha, the well-oiled pro that she is, just like, come along everyone. Just like, let's go out to the fire. <laughs> works and it's yeah yeah it's it's interesting isn't it because i i don't think unlike the others we ever really see samantha doing her job we do also just see her at the events so moments like that when we're like wow she knows what she's doing this is why she's so rich and successful yeah. <laughs> are actually yeah. really nice yeah it is it's very very good yeah it's funny now thinking about like what they're all 35 starting out well samantha's about 10 years older than the others 
Ah, uh, yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah, she would have. If you're living in the city, like I'm imagining she moved to the city when she was 18. Well, this is it. Do you know much about her backstory? I actually don't. Do you have anything? So yeah, what I remember of Samantha Jones specifically, which always like, I don't know, just <laughs> let me just tell you what it is. Yeah. Uh, basically, she speaks of her mom at one point being a woman saddled with three kids and a drunken husband. And that to me, reading way too deep into the situation, because that's what I do here, is a woman who probably at 18 or earlier was like, that is not going to be my life. I am not going to be my mom. I'm not doing the drunken husband. I am not doing the kids. I'm doing independence, childlessness, a place where she's never going to be air quotes saddled with anything. Mm -hmm. And I think those experiences, particularly, I mean, our childhoods inform everything, don't they? But for that to be your strong emotion, that that's sort of one of the only things I think she says in Six Seasons about life before New York. It's really important and impactful. And I think she at another point discusses sleeping with a guy because he had a pool and it's like a funny throwaway comment and being yeah. like she's 13 when it happened. And yeah. there might be a sort of back and forth around like, wow, that's young or whatever, you know, whatever those conversations end up like. But I think it's it's interesting and it suggests to me she probably came from a smaller town. She probably really thought of big wild experiences and meeting lots of people who weren't like the people she was around as really interesting and worthwhile. And I think that's why somebody would want all of the independence that we see she has when we meet her. Mm. We just miss those formative years, which I quite like, actually. You like the mystery? Love the mystery and love that we meet her at her best. Because I think to become that sort of person and to say your mom was saddled with three kids and a drunken husband, she doesn't speak of her siblings <laughs> at mm. any other time, you know. She is moved well past her childhood and her life by the time we meet her, which allows her to be free and comic and a great friend. Mm. Yeah, um, I remember, you know, anytime I'd hear anything about their earlier lives, it was so delicious. It was just like, ooh, this is such a rare nugget that gives you a little <laughs> more of an insight into who they are and why they behave the way they do. Mm. And um, yeah, that comment about her mom, it's so... I totally agree. Because I, I also, I often wonder, like, Carrie is the glue between these four women. And I think a lot about, like, how the fuck do they all meet? And, like, you know, actually <laughs> band together because they're all so very different. And I often wonder, you know, oh, gosh, wasn't isn't that, um has she, did she meet Samantha in the tunnel? Was that the club? I can't remember the name, but I think one of them was working as a bartender at whatever the club they met at was. yeah. And it was in the 80s. So it would have yeah. by that time been, yeah, Samantha would have been in her 20s, 30s, potentially. But yeah, you're right. It's great that we do get to see her at her peak. So we do just get to see this very sexually confident, very self-assured, 
a powerful and empowered woman moving Mm. about the city, knowing her place in it, not questioning it once. Because I also think about, you know, she talks about her first sexual experience as like this guy, he had a pool and she was very young, um, but it was a different time. It was the 80s. So, you know, things are like obviously still young for them. But I think back then it wasn't like such a big thing, especially if you're from a, a small town. That's it. I mean, like yeah. growing up the, in Indiana, she wasn't the only 13 year old I knew getting their <laughs> kicks on, you know. <laughs> That's the thing. I imagine her growing up in somewhere like Indiana or it's somewhere Midwest for sure. It is. Yeah, it's small. And um, or maybe somewhere in Oregon. You can see that. Uh, <laughs> I love I love the specificity of it. I don't know why. It's but... clearly either Indiana or Oregon. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've given this a great deal of thought. But yeah, and I just think like it must have been, I wonder if it, so it must have been positive for her to continue this very positive sexual journey. But then again, she's never looking for emotional connection she pushes until people Richard. until Richard. So like she does push people away and it does. Uh, so the family dynamic, the drunken husband, uh, so step, stepdad or dad. I don't remember. Yeah. In a way I could see why that would feed into her pushing potential romantic interests away. Um, but then I wonder if there was something else. But, but I, it could also just be that she didn't want it, right? Like, famously, her quote that she tells both Richard and Smith is that she loves them, but she loves herself more. Yeah, yeah. And that should be a fucking mantra for all women everywhere. <laughs> should write that on our foreheads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get the T-shirts printed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about oh, Richard, Richard and Smith. fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's a smarmy bastard and, you know, he is, like, a part of me is thinking back to Pride and Prejudice. I'm like, which man is he? Is he, like, <laughs> what, Wickham? Is he Wickham? <laughs> You're, I love that Pride and Prejudice is your romantic formation for, like, all future men. <laughs> my, my blueprint. Uh, <laughs> but, no, Richard is, like, your classic smarmy businessman who's very smooth and charming, very elegant, very well-dressed, uh, great haircut. Um <laughs> yeah and uh I just think we see but like he was such excellent writing excellent character to bring into Samantha's world because we see a lot of growth happening in that dynamic. Mm I yeah. Why do you think he shifted things away from sex for her? He was a man who matched her sexual confidence who bested her in terms of contacts. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. He pushed buttons for her. Uh, I feel like she saw, I th- sorry, I feel like she felt like he saw her. Like for some reason, he penetrated some barriers in her that no other man had before or no mm. other romantic interest had before. And I wonder... If he wasn't equally, she if she saw in him an equally self-made man who like came from the middle of nowhere, and maybe an equally 
unhappy family situation and made this empire around him and because when she applied for the job she clearly also samantha and she took on the pr but like samantha is very choosy about what projects she takes on and she makes it clear from the get-go that she really respects his business and his mm. product and that speaks volumes for her especially at the state because this is like what season four yeah 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 maybe she maybe she's in love with his business <laughs> not the man yeah or because it's interesting like i obviously we don't see every partner that she has but i can't imagine it would have been the first super rich guy that no. laid in her bed you know so i don't have an answer for it at all but i do think it's sometimes funny and interesting when you see a friend or a person go, oh, they're the one. And you're like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why yeah. them? Though? What's, mm. what's that about? And is it is that just a really good example of the bizarre chemistry that like throws people out of their norms mm. and coming along, you know, wrong person at the wrong time and it feeling right? And that weird sort of chemical imbalance that makes us all go, wait, do I like them? Even if <laughs> we know deep down they're not great for us. Mm. Do you know what as well? He was a man that for the first time in her life, she felt like she had to prove herself. Like she, mm. she was just, he was not giving her the job and she knew it was some sexist bullshit. She was just like, you would not treat a man like this. And she was so pissed off that he couldn't see beyond gender yeah and that's a person you don't want to fall in love with it's like classic negging isn't it yes it's like the same tactics all those fucking pickup artists use on women today being like no actually you're not good enough and oh wait maybe have you proved that you are so you feel some bizarre sense of need and accomplishment because even though this man is not that attractive and not that interesting He's told you that you're not good enough. Oh, and why? And you respect him enough to believe that might be true. That is so, yes, you're so right. I haven't really had not thought about it with that. So using that word specifically, it just, it can't, I'm just thinking about this in a whole, in a different light now, um, because you're so right. He does, he makes her doubt herself. Is it like the fact that she's just been bored with the men she's had? like had it too easy and suddenly here's a man challenging her and making her doubt herself and then yeah and then she has to prove her mm. I know, she's never experienced that never allowed her she ever allowed herself to experience that so yeah what is his is it is, yeah. it, is it his power is it his grasp on new york city's nightlife that really makes her believe what he says mm, i do think it i do think it's a power thing um, mm. And I think he abuses that power, definitely. Yeah, um, even yeah. with the sort of threesome and all the weird, oh, no, we're not cheating. We are monogamous and blah, blah, blah. All of that feels inherently wrong for her. And you can see that's not going <laughs> to turn out well as a viewer. But again, sometimes when people are in these situations, they they don't have clear sight they have blinders on and they hope especially as samantha's been in that situation been negged that uh, it's all gonna it's all gonna work out because he actually does like me uh it's yeah it's a really interesting i think relationship for her to go through as someone who up until that point is 
so supremely aware of her power within the relationships. But she had to go through that relationship in order to be like, no, I value me more. And she and like the the arc, like it's so rewarding to to yeah. see her come to that conclusion. And in Atlantic City of all places. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, also, Such a oh good my episode. God, sorry. Aren't they the couple you do not want to be around? Like oh, when they're just like <laughs> literally almost riding each other on the fucking plane. You're like, oh my God, guys. Clearly there's a bedroom on that massive plane. Come on. <laughs> See, I would love to be around that just for my friends' sexual experiences. Be like, you get yours. Well, thank you for the private chat. Woohoo. It's just like kissing, cuddling, fine, but it was just like, sometimes it can be a bit too much. It's just like, no. Noted. Yeah, and then obviously there's Smith and he's fine. This whole story is fine. Uh, But I think what Smith punctuates better than anything else is that she, at that time, goes through something so traumatic finds out she has Mm. breast cancer, really tries to push him away. Because again, she's not a person that's needed anything by anyone, right? She's not needed a man. She's not needed support in any way. She's so self-sufficient. And then she has a terrible diagnosis and he wants to be there. And that does shift things in a slightly romantic space for her. Obviously, they don't end up together uh if you've watched the films uh (laughs) reviews also (laughs) withheld uh but it's a really lovely space for her to get to i think that actually romance can be part of her sexuality but it still doesn't have to be long term and it still doesn't have to be the thing she lives for you know she still is gonna love herself more Mm. uh but yeah it was very touching by that by by that last season she you know, hadn't been through much. And then she was thrown into the one of the worst things that can happen to a person. And it was actually just incredible to watch her be so outrageous and sexy as a coping mechanism with it. Yeah, I just like even thinking about it now, have like minor chills and lots of feelings. It's just such a beautiful final season for all of those characters, but particularly her. I know, just oh, just what was it? The plant, you know, something about like spring and it will grow. Like, so it, who who gives her a plant? Is it Jared? I think so. I don't know. I have a memory of like you know that it's them, you know, getting their hair done the salon, and the hairdresser seeing two pairs of feet, and he's like, "Oh, it wouldn't be the first time you're getting frisky here." And then it's just like this awkward moment between her and Smith, because obviously her sex drive has been non-existent the last few months. Uh, it's so rare for her, and it, I, it's so sad for her. And um, it's obviously a huge part of who she is. And then you know later on in the episode when they're having sex, oh my god, the um the soundtrack as well to that. Like whenever I hear that song. I can't remember it now, but it, 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 I don't know the name, but like, whenever I hear, I get chills because I just think of that episode and everyone just like having their some moment of catharsis. Uh, Can you sing me the song? It's not in the back of my head. Oh my God, no, I cannot sing you the song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing you all a massive favor. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's not You've Got the Love, is it? Is That's a different, is, is that the final song? I think it is. 
is. Yes, because she's just like, you know, she's on top of Jared and, and or Smith, or whatever, and she's she's climaxing, and you've got the love is playing in the background, and she's kind of like how she's just like coming is going along to the song. <laughs> okay, excellent, beautiful yeah. moment. Um, where do you think Samantha Jones is now in her life in London? Yeah, I don't know. I just felt a bit um sad in a way about well not sad because she's obviously having her glam life in london but a part of me was like are you not a bit lonely like you're not with the girls who are your friends she's her prized possession is her independence um yeah which you can absolutely i think she would have made friends in like three minutes you know oh she is that person like she's in pr she's chatting (laughs) yeah uh she's meeting people uh i'm sure she's got some like lovely lover on the go yeah that's i think that's what the one thing that was missing from the cameo i would have loved if she was like giving carrie a nice call and they had the exact same interaction and then like the camera panned down and someone was between her legs do you know what i mean that would have really just like (laughs) nailed yes yes oh my god Speaking of that, I just had a flashback to when Samantha had she no she had a judgmental moment. Do you remember when she was out? For, she met some like good time Dallas woman. Um. Oh yeah, they picked up two, these two men in a bar. They go to a restaurant, and the woman out Samantha. Samantha, like this guy's going down on her, or no, she's gonna give him a blowjob under the table, and Samantha was horrified. <laughs> <laughs> to to be fair, I think I'd also be pretty pretty upset by that behavior. <laughs> oh yeah, I could not. I'd be like, "What the actual fuck we're gonna get like, picked <laughs> out?" You know, time and place. Yeah. Well, that's it, right? She doesn't want that to get into society in New York and to be like, "Oh, Samantha was there while this woman was blowing this guy under the table," but she would do it in the bathroom of the bar. That would be different. Mm. It's yeah like standards you know <laughs> <laughs> modesty <laughs> yes 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 um definitely two very important things now yes um also should we touch briefly on her mad queer relationship with maria because oh yeah yeah big time <laughs> um that mad queer relationship a drop in the ocean not given the attention it was due um in terms of like the women her friends didn't really respect the relationship and i mean that was awful that was truly truly awful especially in retrospect oh yeah and people have really called it out for that because you know it it was a very important romantic relationship in samantha's life and Mm. to have that nearly uh, to have it's not looked down on by your friends is so um what's the uh the opposite of validating <laughs> mm. In, well, invalidating it's, it's invalidating <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah it's it's really tough actually i i've i mean i've rewatched sex and the city probably three thousand times since mm. it aired but every time i get to that part in the series I'm always a little like oh this is not good is it <laughs> just like oh this is this is the friends being bad it's like a weird she's in a very sort of 
coercive might be too strong a word, but a coercive spot with Maria, who's like, I won't hang out with you unless we're in a relationship or, you know, I won't have sex with you unless we're in a relationship. And again, like maybe that is Samantha's thing. Like once people wield loads of power in front of her, she breaks a little bit and then goes into something. Um, But yeah, thankfully she's not in the toxicity of <laughs> those things very much throughout these wonderful seasons. Also, Samantha hates labels. She hates labels. If someone, that's like that, she doesn't like the, the fact that Maria was like, we need to be in a relationship. She was a bit like, oh, can we not just have a good time? Like, come on. Yeah. We're, we're having a bit of fun. Like, why are you getting so down about this? But Maria's a really intense woman. Um, Truly. And actually, that's the thing. Like, for Maria, it has to, it's like her way or the highway. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but actually, do you know what? Yeah, yeah it was quite an emotionally... Well, I don't, not abusive, but you know what I mean? It's like she really took up a lot of Samantha's time. Like, you know, being like, oh, we got to do this. And she really monopolized it, actually. Like, she didn't yeah. respect that Samantha had her own life going on. Like, also, they're both women in their 40s 50s like what is maria has her own life but maria is like a quieter source but it shows Mm. actually you know what maria has a lack of respect for samantha and her lifestyle absolutely once she sort of gets wind that samantha's been a very sexual person she's incredibly judgmental loses her mind basically and it's not as if Samantha has kept that from her, um, but she then sort of sees the judgment again. She's always being judged for just being herself. Get over it, people. I know, but it's, it's really, it's so shit when it's by another woman. Oh, it's mm. shit when it's by another woman. It's like, you should know better. Like, Jesus, the world <laughs> is hard enough as it is. Stop shitting on us, especially if you're my lover, especially if you're my friend. Fuck off. Support me or go away. <laughs> Hard. Agree. Let her wear whatever and blow whoever she wants, you know? As long as she can breathe and <laughs> kneel. <laughs> I think that's a sensational place to end this, actually. I you? agree. Yeah. We'll okay. end here. Stunning stuff. Thank you for your time. Love you always. Love you. Bye. Bye. And that concludes this week's episode. We do sincerely hope you've enjoyed your stay. And if you have, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Just search for She's Having an Episode and hit that follow button. We love seeing your reviews too. So do take a moment to rate and review the podcast if you have 30 seconds to spare. It really helps others discover our show and that will really help the show become better by the week. And if you want even more, you follow us on our social media channels, which you can spell check in our show notes as well as our email address. For any burning questions, future character suggestions and general good vibes. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Until then.